We're going to continue in our series today called Dream Killer, and this is number three. I got to thinking about the idea of flipping it. One of the key things that will kill dreams are our words. We have such a need to flip it. And I started thinking about this in terms of music and how that, I mean, if you want to flip your emotions, your propensity would be to put on a happy song. I mean, we're going to get out the happy songs and listen to several of those. Well, a June 2016 study published in the journal of POLS 1 found that some people actually feel better when listening to sad music. Isn't that interesting? Put on some sad tunes. I don't know if I can go there. I'm not sure if I agree. I haven't tested it, but this was a study published. And it turns conventional wisdom upside down. In other words, it flips it. The, the author of this article says that sometimes sad songs may validate your feelings of sadness and allow the person to feel, feeling them to better deal with them. You don't want to ignore them. You don't want to just say, nope, I'm not depressed. I'm going to listen to a happy song. I'm totally fine, she says. That just bottles up your emotions. If you're frustrated or you're sad, give yourself a moment to be frustrated or sad, and then you can move on. Well, that would be an interesting way of flipping something, wouldn't it? It's certainly contrary to the common thought. I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you would, with me. Proverbs chapter 18. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Matthew chapter 5, you have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. It's really this upside-down kingdom of God that we've entered, that Jesus brought. What do I mean by that? Well, for instance, Jesus taught that to become a leader, you need to be a servant didn't he? That's upside down. Here's what he said. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Well, that's not the way we think in the world. That's not the way we build an organization. But Jesus said leadership in the kingdom looks differently. He flipped it. Leadership in the kingdom looks like being a servant. Here's another one. He said that to find yourself, you've got to deny yourself. Boy, is that ever flipping it. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. So to follow, you give up. To be a disciple, you deny. He flipped it. Very interesting. 
I also find in the scripture from Jesus that words have the power to kill dreams and that they can be flipped. You can change what you say and therefore change what you're dreaming or not kill it so that you can arrive at it and receive it. Let's look at this more carefully. We already mentioned in Proverbs chapter 18 that power, that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Here's some other translations of that from the Good News translation. What you say can preserve life or destroy it. Think of that. The words you speak out your mouth can either preserve your dream, take you closer to your dream, bring you into more life, or they can kill it. They can destroy it. And so, you must accept the consequences of your words. Nobody wants to do that. Oh, that's the hardest thing. I, say it with me, I must accept the consequences of my words? You mean words have consequences? You mean the things I allow to come out my mouth make a difference in my future? You mean the things I allow my mouth to repeat, to say, will change the consequence that I experience in my life? Here's the uh, CEB translation. I have forgotten what that stands for. Contemporary English version. Words can bring death or life. Talk too much and you will eat everything you say. It could be said that it's wiser to say less. Jesus would often be pressed to say something. Come on, Jesus, say something. Even at his, you know, his judgment where he was before Pilate. He was being derided. Come on, say something. You say you are the king. You say you are. What, what report do you give? And the Bible says, like a lamb before his shears is dumb, Jesus spoke not a word. Why? Because words have consequences. Now, I don't imagine, imagine Jesus being a stick in the mud. I really don't think he was. I think he had fun. I think he joked around. I think he was great to be with. But I think he was also careful about the things that he said and that he repeated, knowing that his words would have consequences and that his words could either preserve the state of grace and life that he was in or tear it apart. How about you? Are we watching the things that we say? Is it possible that because of the things I've allowed my mouth to say or repeat, it has placed my dream at a greater distance. 
Yeah. The Lord said this to me, Jeff, the fountain you drink from will influence the health of your entire body. The fountain that you drink from will influence the health of your entire body. And I got to thinking, that sounds like a passage of scripture I remember reading. And I looked it up and indeed, it was in James. Let's go there. James chapter three. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting, read it with me, your entire body. Come on, everybody, read it with me. Corrupting your entire body. What has the power to corrupt your entire body? Your tongue. Now, is he talking about this thing here? La, 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 you know. Well, maybe, but I think it goes a little bit deeper than just a physical part. He's talking about what we do with that part. People can tame all kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless and evil, it is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. I think verse nine, if we keep going. And among all the, excuse me, sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come from the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Notice he's speaking to Christians. And he says that the norm in the kingdom of God, the expected in the kingdom of God, is that our mouth, our words, would be used to promote life and hope and health. That when we speak of somebody, we keep in mind their image. Every human being is in the image of God. Even people that you don't like, even people who have done you wrong, I'll go maybe way out there this morning. We have only to go through a couple of days of this next new news week, and I'm sure we'll read or we'll hear about somebody who has committed a crime, perhaps even taken somebody else's life in murder. Just over the weekend, somebody walked into, I forget the, what the organization was, and just started shooting had a pistol, just started shooting people. I think it was a bank. He wasn't trying to rob it. He just walked in knowing there'd be people there and started. He killed one and wounded four. Now, you'd say, well, certainly that, that's evil. That's not made in the image of God. Well, actually, 
He, the man, is in the image of God. What he did is a result of a number of factors that we might never know, but I guarantee you that his words contributed and the words spoken over him as he was developing into an adult helped create the life that brought him to the place where he would shoot and kill another human being. But regardless now, he will bear the consequences. See, some people think that loving people, because we're all in the image of God, and so we should just love everybody and forgive everybody. Now, that's true in the kingdom of God. However, sin has consequence. My behavior has consequence. We read how that our words have consequences. And, and so, even though God might love me, even though God might forgive me, there are consequences to the things that I say. Even though God might forgive me and even though I'm made in his image and you need to treat me like I'm made in the image of God, if I do something as destructive and as consequential as murdering somebody, how many of you know, at the very least, I'm going to bear the consequence of being in jail and in prison so that I lose my freedom and I may lose my life here on earth. And yet, I'm made in the image of God. See, how you treat me as one who's made in the image of God does not change based on my behavior. My behavior causes me to suffer the consequence that ultimately could take me off of the earth. It could isolate me from family. It could cause me to lose my freedom. It could mean I no longer am able to enjoy the dream. And yet, I am made in the image of God. And so, there's this idea Jesus presents to us in the Gospels. We've already approached it both in Proverbs and then again by the words of Jesus in Matthew of flipping what we say. I would submit to you that the height of religion is to praise the Lord but then destroy the image of somebody else. James makes that abundantly clear. He says, out of the same mouth come words of blessings and then words of cursing. He says, this ought not be so. How can that be out of the same mountain, the same mouth, the same fountain? There would be words of blessing and cursing. Well, it's because of religion. Again, the height of religion is to praise the Lord on Sunday, but then destroy somebody else's image with my words. So according to verse 10, we're not supposed to just look at what somebody does. We're supposed to listen to what they say. Now, ultimately where I want to go this morning is with the concept Jesus presents and the Proverbs present of flipping it. I'm, I'm enamored with that, that I have the power to move myself closer to the dream God's put in my heart and actually obtain it and enjoy the fullness of all God has for me by my word. 
Aren't you fascinated that you were given the kind of power that can literally affect your entire body and move you in the kingdom of God into all God has for you by what you say? I literally have power over everything that comes out my mouth, even when you are not around. When you're nowhere around me, I have the power over the things I'm thinking and the things that I am saying. I could be driving in my car and nobody else knows, nobody else hears. And my words will change the course of my life. Proverbs chapter three and verse 13. Those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. <laughs> How many of you have ever said, oh, I wish I could have that back. I've just ruined everything. Aren't you glad the mercy of God allows us to go out there and burn up that bastard seed crop that we've planted? Pastor just cursed in service. <laughs> hey, Jesus cursed. No, now you're going to want me to back that up. <laughs> Another message. Jesus word, used words to get people's attention that in society, all right, so here's a for instance. He called a woman a dog once. We'll just let that sit. You do your study. We'll get back to it sometime. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 4. Gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Oh my goodness, my words. You see, when the more you become sensitive to the kingdom of God, the more you become sensitive to God's presence, the more he will deal with you regarding the things you're allowing to come out your mouth. Because God wants us to move in the direction of his kingdom. He wants us to obtain our dreams. He doesn't want us to kill what he's put inside of us, that great image, that incredible image of who we are in him. It's God's image, and he wants us to give life to it, to feed it, and so he says, control your tongue. He says, gentle words, look at how he's flipping it. Gentle words are a tree of life, a deceitful tongue crushes. Say, gentle is life, deceitful crushes. You can flip it. You can flip your words to have life. Proverbs 50, or Matthew chapter 43, we'll go back to Jesus' words here. He says, you have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, so he flips it. The law says this, I say this. He flips the law. I say, love your enemies. What's that tell you about the parts of scripture in your Bible and them all being equal or having equal weight or equal authority? They don't. The law said you can hate your enemy. Jesus said, but I say. So he inserts himself and without apology 
supersedes the passages of Scripture that say you can hate your enemy, putting himself and his word even above the Scripture of his time. Think about that. But I say you should love. So, in other words, we need to flip by changing our words what we are listening to. Here's what uh, Paul said regarding this concept. In Romans chapter 12, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame upon their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. See how you can flip it? Here somebody does or says something that's meant to do this, and you flip it, and you turn it around so that it becomes good instead of evil. And he says, if you and I choose to live this kind of kingdom lifestyle of flipping what we say so that it's more in line with the love and the grace of God, well then, it actually will heap coals of fire. That's a that's a, uh, what am I looking for? Allegory. All right, that's a word picture of what happens. In other words, the Lord will take care of what you are so offended about. That is not your business. What somebody else said, what they said to you, what they said about you, how they've hurt you, how you lost this or lost that. It's not your business. Let the Lord take care of that. You keep your words gentle. You keep your tongue sweet and flip the situation. There's a Japanese scientist by the name of Masaru Emoto who conducted some scientific studies and then wrote a book about it. I've looked the book up. You can find it on Amazon. These are amazing studies that he did with water. Listen to this. He discovered that water that is free from all impurities will form beautiful ice crystals that look exactly like snowflakes under the microscope when frozen. However, water that's polluted or has additives like fluoride will freeze without forming crystals. So if the water is pure, which is a type of our life in the kingdom, it's a type of our spirit, it's also a type of our words. If water is pure, it will form beautiful snowflake-like crystals. If it has any contamination in it at all, it's not going to form those crystals. It's not going to appear the same. Now listen to this. In his experiments, Emoto poured pure water into vials labeled with negative phrases like, I hate you, or fear. After 24 hours, the water was frozen and no longer crystallized under the microscope. It yielded gray, mishappen clumps of in, uh, instead, of, instead of beautiful lace crystals. Let me reread. It yielded gray, mishappen clumps instead of beautiful lace-like crystals. In contrast, Emoto placed labels that said things like, I love you, peace, 
on the vials of polluted water, and after 24 hours, they produced gleaming, perfectly hexagonal crystals. Now, this is not just some guy writing about this and there's no proof. He captured all of this in detail in pictures and all of the pictures are published in this book. It is an amazing, amazing book. I just discovered it. I will be getting a copy this week. I've got to see this. Now listen to this one. In another experiment, Emoto tested the power of spoken words. He placed two cups of cooked white rice in two separate mason jars, and he fixed the lids in place, labeling one jar, thank you, and the other, you fool. Okay, you with me? White rice, sealed jar, then labeled them. One jar, thank you, the other jar he labeled, you fool. The jars were left at an elementary school classroom and the students were instructed to speak the words on the labels to the corresponding jars twice a day. After 30 days, the rice in the jar that was constantly insulted had shriveled into a black gelatinous mass. The rice in the jar that was thanked was white and fluffy as the day that it was made. Kingdom, power, power to dream and reach it, placed in your hands, as it were. Literally your tongue. You can flip it. The tongue is either a dream killer or it is a dream bringer that will move you into your dream. I'm going to give you five steps here to help you this morning with flipping your words. You ready? Number one, make your words work. Start with the words you are using every day. Listen to yourself, even in the car, in the shower, when nobody else is around. Listen, examine your words. Number two, stop self-criticism. Let your words be kind and compassionate and affirming. Number three, resist gossiping and speaking ill of others. You know, when you speak words, when you repeat something you've heard, it's no more than gossip. And those words actually resonate in your body. Here's something else that Emoto found and that other scientists have proven without a doubt. Words are released and they travel through the air like vibrations. They're just, they're vibrations. In fact, it is thought that everything in the world is not actually physical, but it is energy. And energy is affected by waves. So for instance, the chair you're sitting on is really energy. And it can be affected and influenced by the waves that are moving. 
Now, I've not studied all the science of this, and I don't know how far to go with it, but I know there's some things that relate. Words travel four times faster in water than they do on land. Think about the fact that your body is 70% water. Is it any wonder that Jesus says, be careful what you listen to? Throughout the parables, more than one story. Be careful what you hear. Why? Because those words are released as vibrations that go into the water of your being. And they will change you. They will put you in a good mood or a great mood. They will further God's kingdom love and grace and hope and peace. Or they will cause you to feel like you're losing it and there's no hope. Did you have a bad week? Was it difficult? Were things said that got you under the water, as it were? Words can turn all of that around. It's the vibrations of energy that turn and you can flip it. Number four, go on a negativity diet. What do I mean? A negativity diet. You ready? How many of you have been on a diet in the last year? Of some sort. How many of you have been on a diet of any kind in the last five years? Of some sort. Okay. The vast majority of you. And yet none of you have probably been on the diet that I'm going to give you right now. I promise you. You ready for it? Now you know how diets are. We start and then we stop. The average diet lasts about eight to ten days. Some of you made a New Year's resolution. Some of you were at the gym. I saw you. <laughs> no, it's interesting. I go to the gym three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I play racquetball for a couple of hours. And it's always fascinating in January, the first couple of weeks, that when you arrive, January, the first week of January, there's more people there, people you've never seen before. And you know what? <laughs> By the end of January... Most of them are not there any longer. The people are, that are there are the people that have been coming month after month, year after year. Isn't it true, Don? Don plays with me at racquetball. We've seen people come and go. But it's the ones who have disciplined themselves with a steady diet, knowing the return, that are there. Day after day, week after week, month after month. So... I'm, I'm going to encourage you to seriously consider these next several items. How, Pastor Jeff, can I flip it? Give me, some, give me some practical examples so that I can go on this diet with you. All right, here's an example. Instead of the words, that was terrible, how about, I've had better, <laughs> this past week, I bet you had a meal where you thought, that was terrible. I have found myself in an effort to just, even with those words, correct that and go on this diet saying, I've had better. How about this one? I'm a klutz to I'm graceful. <laughs> but I'm not. 
You'll never reach the dream if you keep killing it with your words. Did you hear what they said? Did you hear they're doing this? Did you hear so-and-so? How about flipping that too? How great! What a new opportunity for them to go on with their life. What a new opportunity for us to see new people, to see new things happen. Just because somebody does something or someone and you repeat, did you hear? How about instead of did you hear, how about, wow, how fantastic. What a great opportunity for me, for us. Here's one, I know you've said this. Why do things always happen to me? Why do bad things always happen to me? How about saying, how can I turn this into something fabulous? No, don't drop that. How about if we flip that to, hold on tightly, use two hands. I'm stuck in a dead-end job. Could we flip that to, you know, I am where I chose to be. And if I want, I can choose to be somewhere else. <coughs> hmm. See, it puts the power back in the hands of the person who really has it, which squarely is you, and you need to stop blaming other people for where you are and what you experience. Because your body is either corrupt by the words that you've spoken or it's experiencing life. Nobody else does that to us. Here's one. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. I know you said that. I said that. I, I, in the first message in this series, I shared with you a testimony about my previous three weeks of uh, projects at home. We did a staycation, my wife and I, uh, for three weeks working on the house and I, uh, I reported to you the results of some of that and I certainly felt anything that can go wrong it'll go wrong how about this sometimes things go wrong then we fix them everything doesn't always go wrong everything isn't always bad and just because somebody said, you know, did you hear? We can still say, you know what? Sometimes things do go wrong. Then we fix them. What a great declaration of faith. Here's one. What's wrong with people today? We can say, hmm, I seem to be easily annoyed today. <laughs> you see, it's my fault and I have the power to flip it. Don't blame other people. The moment you begin to blame somebody else for where you are and what you are experiencing in life proves the lack of kingdom concept that the power is yours to determine your dream by the words that you speak. Number five. If you have negative Nancys in your life, and I apologize if there's anybody named Nancy here this morning, you know that it's just a term. If you have negative Nancys in your life, maybe you need to limit your time with negative Nancy. 
Maybe you need to find new friends. But you determine the words that are going to vibrate through the waters of your life and move you in the kingdom of God closer to God's dream for you. We'll end with this idea. I felt like the Holy Spirit said this to me. Jeff, focus on something new rather than trying to change the past. I control my future by what I focus on. You can't change the past. Let's stand.